Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and welcoming congregation. We strive to meet people where they are and join them on their faith journey as we carry out our mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world. United Methodist Church. We're thankful for your presence. Those here in the sanctuary, we also say a word of greeting to those who are watching online and on television. We're grateful for your presence as well. This is our chance in a very special way to do what we are supposed to do, and that is put God first. And so we focus now on the joy of being in this holy place together at this holy time.
invite you to join me responsively in our call to worship this morning. We come to worship God in our need, bringing with us the needs of the world. We come to God who comes to us in Jesus and who knows by experience what human life is like. We come with our faith and with our doubts. We come with our hopes and with our fears. We come as we are because it is God who invites us to come. And God has promised never to turn us away. Share the peace of Christ with those around you by saying, the peace of Christ be with you. The peace of Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. be seated.
We invite you to share your joys and concerns with your church family by going to PHUMC slash prayer. Please receive our joys and concerns of this past week. We pray for all experiencing grief and loss this day, and our Christian sympathy is extended to Nancy Sink and family in the death of her father, William Bill Jordan, to Mary McDonald and family in the death of her father, Raymond Beatty, to Garth Martin and family in the death of his wife, Joanne Martin, and to Kim Tribbett and family in the death of her father, Art Gillum. We pray for all who are ill or recently hospitalized, including Blake Adams, Amy Boyce, Gloria Cleveland, Peggy Hunley, Jack Stanley, and Paula Woozy. And we rejoice in the birth of Alice Catherine Nolan, child of Andrea and Jacob Nolan, and grandchild of Jackie and Eric Nolan. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Most holy and almighty God, we give you thanks for the many ways you demonstrate your love to us. As we intentionally express our love for one another this week, we are humble because you so love the world that you gave your one and only son. As you continue to transform our lives, we love you, we adore you, and we glorify your name. Hear our prayers today for world leaders, for peace and unity. And we also pray for local, national, and international agencies that provide shelter and reduce suffering and hunger. This week, COVID deaths in Arkansas have reached and surpassed 10,000 persons. Today, we remember and recognize those who have died and pray for their families and friends of all that have been affected. Let us pause in silence. Heal in Christ, we remember all who grieve this day. Bring relief and recovery to those who are ill or hospitalized. We pray for those in this sanctuary, those watching via television, and for persons within our hearts. Teach us to trust in your care and to live one day at a time. As we pray together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In the United Methodist Church, we recognize February every year as Black History Month. So I invite you this morning to turn into your hymnals and to remain seated, but hold your hymnals up so our voices carry together as we sing together, Lord, I want to be a Christian. After our service of worship, I had a child come up to me and ask me, why does God need our money? Why does God need our money? Well, God needs our money. The church needs our money because through the funds that are given, we can do amazing things for God to help those in our community, to help and care for one another in our need. That is why we give to God through the ministries of our church. 
And this week, I am so thankful that because we do give money to God through the ministries of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, we celebrate that our food pantry is partnering with our Cancer Friends Ministry, two amazing ministries of our church, partnering together to provide food for those persons who are food insecure going through cancer treatments at UAMS. What a powerful witness to Jesus Christ that we are able to give food to those who are suffering through long illness in this way, made possible because we give money to God through the ministries of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. If you would like to make a donation to ministries that help to care for those and to offer food to those and love to those around us in the name of Christ, you are invited to do so in this time of offering. As the offering plates are passed, those of you in person can drop those gifts in those offering plates. You will also find ways to give, uh, alternative ways to give on the back of your bulletin or for those worshiping with us via broadcast or online, you can find that information on your screens. And now as we offer our gifts to God, as we give our money to God, let us turn to God in an attitude of prayer. God, as we give these gifts to you, we pray that they may be multiplied, that they may be used to show your love to our neighbors, our community, and our world. In your name we pray. Amen.
Please join with me in the affirmation of faith, which is printed in your bulletin. I believe in the God who has shown us great love in Jesus Christ and continues to touch our lives in places of deepest need and highest aspiration. I believe that God wants to touch the lives of all people and bring them to a sense of grace and joy, as God has done for me. Therefore, I believe in evangelism as the act of sharing God's good news with others, that they too may be healthy and happy in spirit. I believe that our salvation is something we have together and not apart so that my witness to the goodness of God is as important to my being saved as it is to my neighbors. And I believe that the best time to begin my witnessing is today, when I remember all that the Lord has done for me. Amen. you to remain standing as we read from God's holy word as we begin a new series of sermons today entitled God is big enough we read from the sixth chapter of the gospel of Luke let us hear these holy words Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is the reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the word of God for the people of God. Before you are seated, please take a moment to greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ. Please be seated. We again say a word of welcome to all of you this morning. We're certainly grateful for your presence. We say a greeting to those here in the sanctuary as well as those who are watching on television and online. We are thankful that you would choose to be a part of our worship experience here at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. Now, as you all know, week after week, we bring the pandemic to your attention because that's the world in which we live. 
One of the things that we're trying to do here at Pulaski Heights is find ways to go about doing ministry in a post-pandemic world. Now, we are not there yet, but we are still in the process of trying to determine how to do effective ministry for those who have become disconnected with the church altogether, alienated, or just trying to find ways to bring people into the ministry of this particular congregation in effective ways for literally years and years to come. So every age group in our church, every ministry is reevaluating how it is we go about doing ministry and trying to make a determination. Should we let some of the things go that were pre-pandemic and move into a post-pandemic world? And we've done that in a lot of ways already. The children's department recognizes that in many ways they have got to recreate how they go about doing ministry. For almost two years now, many of our children in this congregation have not been here for obvious reasons. And one of the things that we have done is try to make a determination, how can we continually to be in contact with children effectively, particularly in the worship experience? So the children's department here at our church has made a determination that we're going to try some things differently to remain connected with our children in an even stronger way. And one of the ways in which we are going to do that is by having packets of information available to every child who enters the sanctuary, as well as available online for children who watch on television or who watch on a computer screen. How can we stay connected to those children? So instead of having children come down to the front for two or three minutes, we want them to have an entire hour's worth of worship experience. So these packets of information are filled with material that are relevant to that respective service of worship each Sunday morning. There are other ways in which we have to connect with our children, but the children's department is working long and hard to try to find ways to do good and effective ministry with our children, particularly in a post-pandemic world. So we need your prayers as we continue to try to find ways to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ in an ever-changing world, as we all know. So we're gonna do some things differently, hopefully to be even more effective. So extend grace, please, and be aware that changes are in the process. It is natural. Our lives have changed over the last two years, and they're going to continue to do so. But we have to continue to be the church, and we want to be the church the most effective way we can be. We're grateful you're here. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord, in the silence of this moment... Prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day and work your will in our lives. Amen. If you know much about Jesus, you discover that very quickly Jesus was a polarizing and at times very confusing figure. Jesus, for example, boldly declared over and over again that he was the Son of Man. There were times when Jesus also said, I am one with the Father. And there were also occasions when Jesus would say in a very public way, your sins are forgiven. Now in each of those instances, his respective audience knew what he was saying. Only God can forgive, so when Jesus says, 
I forgive you, he is publicly declaring himself to be God. Jews understood that the Son of Man, a, a reference Jesus made to himself, meant that he was declaring himself to be the anointed one of God. Jesus was a very confusing figure to a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And when one is bold enough to say, I am one with the Father and the Father is one with me, that was very upsetting for many. So Jesus, in a lot of ways, tried to say publicly he is God in flesh. But people were confused by that because of how he related to his audience. People had a clear expectation of what the anointed one was to look like and act like, and yet Jesus oftentimes contradicted their very understanding of who the Messiah should be. He ate with the despised, the hated, the reviled. Who eats with those kinds of people? He oftentimes touched people he didn't have to touch, but in the process of doing so, he became chronically ritualistically unclean. He seemed to have little regard for the Hebraic law because on the Sabbath day, he would heal people when that was strictly forbidden. He told unsettling parables to his Jewish audience about a wayward son, the secondborn, who squanders everything he has and runs home to his father only to have his father run toward him. The father, of course, the audience knew was a reference to God, but in that culture, in that day and time, men didn't run. It was uncouth, inappropriate. And so Jesus seems to make God uncouth and inappropriate. And then Jesus has the audacity, for example, to tell a story to a Jewish audience about a good Samaritan. For any Jew, that was an oxymoron. There was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Jesus oftentimes was very confusing with regard to how he went about living out his ministry. That's why even John the Baptist, who was born into the world to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, would one day ask, are you really the Messiah or should we look for someone else? And now we have Jesus in the Gospel of Luke preaching and teaching to an audience. And Luke tells us right away that his understanding of how Jesus told these particular instructions to his audience was different from the way Matthew lists it. In Matthew, it is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is elevated above the people as he teaches. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is on a level plane, as if to say to his audience, I am one with you. We're in this together. Luke is very intentional about making sure that his readers understand that Jesus was lowering himself to be among his people, stooping down to be among the folk with whom he was doing ministry. That's what God did. We believe God is big enough to come into the world to stoop down and be among us, one with us on a level plane. He was born into the world just like we were born into the world. He got hungry just like we get hungry. He needed rest just like we need rest. He was tempted just like we are tempted. 
He got angry just like we get angry. He would cry just like we cry. And he would die just like we will all die. How can this one be God if he is so confusing, so much just like us, so willing to embrace people that that culture and day and time would have ignored. Who is this guy? How can he possibly declare himself to be the anointed one of God? See, Jesus did not meet the expectations of a lot of people. And when one does not meet our expectations, then oftentimes we dismiss them altogether. Elvis Presley, before he was famous, used to eat in a little steak calls, steakhouse called Lil Thompson's Steakhouse in Tennessee. He was close friends with the owner of the steakhouse. And even after Elvis Presley reached his height of fame, he oftentimes would go incognito to that same steakhouse and enjoy a good meal. Well, one time his friend, the owner of the steakhouse, decided to have an Elvis Presley impersonator contest, knowing that Elvis would be there that night. All kinds of impersonators came that night, and Elvis Presley himself decided to enter into the contest. And Elvis sang, Love Me Tender, just like Elvis would sing, Love Me Tender, and he finished in third place. Can you imagine that? See, what happened, of course, is that this one who was Elvis himself did not meet the expectations of the audience. No one expected the real Elvis to participate in an Elvis impersonator contest, so he finished third. When people don't meet our expectations, sometimes we just don't know what to do with them. Jesus was a very confusing, polarizing, devices, savior of the world for a variety of reasons. Oftentimes we discover because of the things he said and what we call the Sermon on the Plain. See, in the Sermon on the Plain that I just read from, Jesus paints a picture of God that is very different. This is a God who stoops down to our level. This is a God who has an affinity for the poor and the hungry and the weary and the weeping. It is a much different picture of what anybody would have imagined the anointed one would be like. But he is God in flesh. And so that's the challenge for everyone, to try to claim Jesus Christ as Lord when he goes about doing ministry in such a different way by stooping down to be one with us. And not only one with us, but one who identifies with us, in particular, the downtrodden and the marginalized, the homeless. Remember the story in Scripture where a young man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And our Lord replies, well, you need to know that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What Jesus was saying is, I'm a homeless guy. And that guy who was going to follow Jesus wherever he goes, left. 
Remember what Jesus said, this affinity for those who were broken and downtrodden. Jesus says, I'm literally one of them. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, if you ever saw anyone who was hungry or naked or in prison and you cared for their respective needs, you did it to me. Jesus is literally saying to his audience, I am one of those kinds of people. And the Apostle Paul tells us that he humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. A homeless, poor, humble man is the one before whom we bow because he bows down before us. In Scripture, it is amazing to me that Luke would choose to say Jesus preached on a level place. That is, he came down to be among his people. It's not just literally preaching eye to eye. What Luke wants us to know also is that what Jesus was doing as God was coming down to be among the marginalized and the broken, just like you and I can be sometimes. It is fascinating how Jesus goes about doing his ministry to a people by stooping down. Because Jesus oftentimes made people who stooped down in scripture heroes. Jesus has said numerous times to his disciples, I'm not always going to be with you. They're going to put me to death after they torture me. But the third day I will return. And after Jesus is vulnerable with the disciples and tells them all this, the disciples go, yeah, that's all well and good, but listen, which one of us gets to be greatest in the kingdom? They just seem to have no regard for what it, Jesus is saying to them. And then one day, Jesus is in the home of someone ready for a meal. And in the Gospel of Luke, a woman comes in who has, as Scripture says, a sordid reputation. And she stoops down into the presence of Jesus and anoints his feet with a costly perfume and with her own tears and wipes his feet with her hair. And everybody around is incredulous. And Jesus says, let me tell you something. This woman has done what none of you seem to understand. She has prepared my body for burial because she gets it. And every generation from now on will recognize what she has done as something extraordinary. He makes a hero out of a woman who stoops down into his presence. Jesus tells that parable about a good Samaritan. And Jesus makes the hero out of a Samaritan who stoops down to render aid to one who is bleeding. After a priest and a Levite, the good religious folk, just pass on by the other side. Jesus makes the hero out of a dirty, disgusting Samaritan. But he's a hero because he stoops down to take care of one who is his neighbor. One time, Jesus goes into the home of Mary and Martha, two sisters, the sisters of Lazarus. And while Jesus is in the home, Martha is busy in the kitchen cooking, getting everything ready, and Mary's not pitching in at all. She is at the feet of Jesus. She has stooped down to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him speak. But Martha, who's in the kitchen cooking, gets angry, and she comes in and she says, Hey, Jesus, tell Mary to get up and get in here and help me. We're trying to get the food ready for you. 
And Jesus says, Martha, you got it all wrong. Mary actually is the one who's the hero in this story because she bows at my feet, says Jesus. Stoops down to listen to what it is I have to say. Oftentimes in Scripture, Jesus makes heroes out of those who stoop down to do something for someone else. And Jesus does that himself over and over again in Scripture. Time and again, he is on a level plane with others. That is being one with them, interacting with them, assisting them, healing them over and over again. And so in this portion of Scripture, in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus makes a clear distinction between those who are blessed and those who are not. And once again, Jesus is so confusing because Jesus says, blessed are those who weep, for they will laugh. Blessed are the poor, for they will have their fill. Blessed are the hungry, for they will have everything they need to eat. It just doesn't seem to make sense. And then Jesus says, woe to you who are rich, for you're going to lose everything. And woe to you who have a full stomach right now, because you're going to be hungry one day. And woe to you who laugh right now, because one day you're going to be crying. Now, what does Jesus mean by all of that? What Jesus is doing, of course, is reminding us that everybody is on a level playing field when it comes to a relationship with God, and certain expectations have to be met in order to be in a right relationship with God. And those who are downtrodden and marginalized and broken and wounded actually have a leg up on being a part of the kingdom of God. And those who have an abundance, in whatever way it may be, if they have no regard for those who are suffering, they are separated from the kingdom. What Jesus is doing is teaching us what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God and what it takes to be outside the kingdom of God. The roles will be reversed, flipped, turned upside down. Those who seem to suffer now, one day, they will have everything forever and ever. And those who seem to have it all without any regard for anybody else will one day go without. We just recently did a series on calling, how Jesus calls us in a variety of ways. And each time Jesus calls, he doesn't go into great detail right off the bat. He simply calls and people respond accordingly. But now we're at a place where when Jesus calls people and they follow, he sets an extraordinary expectation for them. They have to stoop down and make sure that the hungry are filled and the poor have what's coming to them. And those who are weeping have a reason to laugh. It is part of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Because Jesus himself wants us to know that he is one with us. That he's not outside of us, but he is one with us. Remember, for example, when Jesus is baptized. I love the fact that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus just waits in line with everybody else. Now, remember the baptism in which John the Baptist participated was a baptism of cleansing, a ritualistic cleansing, which meant all of those people in line were the kind who were self-loathing. 
the kind who had great sin, the kind that felt broken and ashamed. And Jesus simply stands in line with all of those kinds of people as if to say, I can relate to you. I understand what you're going through. I'm one with you. And remember when Jesus calls the fishermen, Jesus doesn't just call them out from the lake while he's on the shore. Jesus gets into the boat and he fishes with them first before he calls them. In other words, he says in a variety of ways, I'm one with you. I'm going to do what you're doing. Let's do this together. We're all in this together. And then Paul reminds us that Jesus became sin, the one who knew no sin for the sake of all of humanity. It is another way in which Jesus wanted to relate to us, stand in line like everybody else. Earn a living like everybody else. Take on sin like all of us have sin so that that sin becomes his and it is no longer ours. Jesus in so many ways is confusing and yet in the confusion we discover what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. He's on our level. He appreciates the poor, the hungry, the naked, those who are crying, those who are hurting. And he can always relate to us when we fit into any of those categories, which at one time or another, all of us know what it is like to feel marginalized. And yet every single time we are one with Jesus Christ. The poor just seem to have an advantage when it comes to be a part of the kingdom of God. Those who are suffering have a leg up on the rest of us. Because Jesus is so desperately concerned about them. And he reminds them that one day they'll have it all themselves. I read a book a number of years ago called The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. It's a masterpiece of a book. I recommend it to anybody. And in the book, Philip Yancey quotes Monica Helwig, who lists, if you will, advantages to being poor. This is what she says. The poor rest in security, not on things, but instead on people. The poor have no exaggerated sense of self-importance. The poor can distinguish between luxuries and necessities. And this is my favorite. When poor have the gospel preached to them, it sounds like good news and not like a threat or a scolding. I like that one a lot, as a matter of fact. What we discover, of course, is that what Jesus does by preaching on a level plane is saying a variety of ways, I am yours and you are mine. I am big enough to stoop down to be one with you. Our job is to be big enough in return to bow down before the one who stoops down before us and in the process show the world what the kingdom of God looks like. Hallelujah. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning in the hymn of invitation is number 399, Take My Life and Let It Be. As we sing this hymn, if there are those in our congregation today who would like to, in a formal way, become a part of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, either those here in the sanctuary or those watching on television or online, we invite you to consider uniting with our congregation. Those on television or online can contact the church. We'll be happy to talk to you about what that entails. And those here in the sanctuary, please know 
during our closing hymn, we will come down to the front, that is the ministers. We invite you to come forward. We'll give you the vows and we'll celebrate your presence with us today. So if you choose to do that, we invite you to do that now as we all stand together to sing. for worshiping with us today at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We invite you to visit our website to let us know you were a part of our viewing community today or to learn more about how you can get involved in our ongoing mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world.